And welcome to The Daily Note with Tyrone Deal and Dr. Nathan Daly, where we talk all things rehabilitation and human performance. Nathan, we are at part two for running. Part two for running. I'm excited about this one. I think we're going to be able to share some things that will really help out the listeners who run. Excellent. Yeah, we do have a big running community here. And before we start off this episode, I just want to let, uh, let all the runners know out there that there is Durango's first ultra race coming here, June 4th, 2022. Uh, signups are still available. Uh, it is the Durango Skyline Ultra. So look that up on Google. Um, we are one of the main sponsors of the event. So we look forward to seeing you all out there. We're excited for this. Yeah, it'll be great, man. Yeah. Uh, so, Nathan, let's get right into it, you know. Uh, we spoke about a lot of things on the last podcast episode in Running Part 1. Uh, we dove into tendinopathy, running mechanics, uh, progression, training, load management, um, so I, I kind of want to go into more things about that. Sure. Uh, so in the last episode, we spoke about plantar um, fasciopathy, um, posterior tibial tendinopathy, patellar tendinopathy, and quad tendinopathy. And um, I just wanted to know what the appropriate management for treatment is for those types of injuries. So I think, like I mentioned last time, the the new accepted practice when mm-hmm. it comes to the treatment of tendinopathies, and I say new, and this has been around for, you know, better part of 10 to 15 years. Is, so is the cutting edge stuff? No, uh, this is not quite the cutting edge okay. stuff. This is a little <laughs> bit behind, but still relatively new compared to the old advice, which was just stretch more, ice ah, it. Really? And rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, surprise, surprise, you know, a management, the management of a structure that responds to heavy loads and has to, um, res- it has to be strong under heavy loads is not typically stretching. Um, it is um, a rehabilitation approach that progressively loads the tendon over time. So heavy loads, that's what you need to think. Heavy loads, but dosed appropriately. So the goal here is um, that you are going to submit the tendon to a certain amount of tension, and force over a prolonged period of time. So think very slow repetitions, accepting that there will be some discomfort within the tendon, but not an excess of discomfort. Some protocols say no more than four out of 10 pain. Some say no more than five out of 10 pain. I like to have people at one or two. It's enough to feel some discomfort in the tendon. They know it's working, but it's not enough to really send them through the roof in terms of pain. And more importantly, when they do their exercises, they're not getting so much pain that they can't do their second session of the day or the session that happens the next day if they do it in the evening. Okay. So those are the important facts here. We want to submit the tendon, whatever tendon in question, to an adequate amount of heavy load such that the tendon itself responds, remodels, and the pain response is lessened. Okay, cool. And then, um, what are some of the cutting edge? Is that does that would that be so more the when we say cutting edge, uh-huh. it, it's it, it's kind of the most basic kind of exercise that you can think of, but it's it's done with a much greater intensity than you okay. would think. Isometrics. Oh, okay. So you find a position where you can feel the tendon working, and you produce a near maximal isometric contraction held mm-hmm. for about forty five seconds, okay. and you're doing four to five bouts of this. So oh. In the case of like a uh, Achilles tendinopathy, mm-hmm. um, you would place um, your shoulders on either a low-lying support structure, a small door entryway, or under a barbell that's placed underneath the hooks on the rack, or with a lot of weight, four or five hundred pounds on the bar. And what you're going to do is try to Isn't do that a your heel. Point? 
Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my warm-up weights, yeah. <laughs> um, what you're going to try to do is perform a calf raise into the bar where the okay. bar doesn't move, but you've got a lot of tension on your Achilles tendon. Okay. And you'd be holding that for a period of, like I said, for about 45 seconds. You're doing a few rounds, four to five rounds of that. And then what they've shown in some cases of tendinopathy, this one specific to the knee, patellar okay. tendinopathy, is that you can reduce pain for a period of up to an hour, an hour and a half after you do this. So it's a way of you, and they studied this in volleyball players. Volleyball players were able to go out and complete the first half of a game or were able to play most of their game without pain oh. after doing these heavy isometrics. Okay. These really almost maximal isometrics. Did they do it before the game? Or they just did it before the game. Right before the game. Right okay. before wow. the game. Yep. So what we've started to do in tendinopathy treatment is apply that same concept to the treatment of rotator cuff related pain. But I know we're talking about uh, running related injuries, mm -hmm. but patellar tendon, obviously, like the study did, Achilles tendinopathy, posterior tibial tendinopathy, and even I've started to use it with my patients for plantar fasciopathy as I well. I was just about to ask about that. Pushing okay. upward and doing a heel raise, but with more tension applied by bending the big toe backward. Ah. So more tension is placed on the plantar fascia. Okay. And then are they focusing a lot of the pressure onto the big toe, on the great toe? So all the toes are being bent back, okay. but especially the big toe. Bending okay. that big toe back elicits something called the windlass mechanism, which tensions the plantar fascia on the bottom of the foot. Okay. So it's the big toe bending back that's important. Alrighty. Yeah. And then what would like the basic exercise leading up to that be? Would it be like the, uh, um, what do you guys call it? The Which one? Uh, Heel no, 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 no. It's like short foot exercises. Would that short be? Short foot. No, I, no? Would, not, I okay. would not recommend short foot. Okay. Isometrics are nice in that they can be done almost immediately with okay. almost every level of severity for tendon disorders. Okay. It's about determining what amount of force you can produce without really flaring your symptoms up either in the moment or afterward. Okay. Now we have a crane scale, an isometric force measurement device that goes up to 600 pounds. And it was we have awesome. A, and we have a couple different setups for people who want to train isometrically, but still want to know what that number is on the scale. So what okay. I'll tell you is isometrics are a great way for an athlete who feels like I want to keep training at a high intensity or I, my rehab should be just as intense as what I was doing before, but I cannot train because of this pain. Put your heart and soul into isometrics and I think you'll be very surprised at the results. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll have to yep. keep that in mind. Yep. Alrighty. And then um, a couple of other things, you know, we were talking about how the body weight when you're doing a foot strike for per stride um, is two to three times the amount of body weight. So how do you uh, get to the loading progression to get to that if you are just fresh off your injury or anything like that? Because I know we talked about this related to stress fractures last time. That was like 12 to 16 weeks to get there. Right. But what if it's just like a normal, not too bad or too severe tendinopathy? Well, so in ca most cases of tendinopathy, there is a threshold of activity, total okay. amount of activity um, that a person can do before they start to feel their symptoms. So okay. the question is going to be in any given run, where, how far in, how many minutes into a run does it typically take for you to start feeling your symptoms? And that may depend mm -hmm. on pace. The faster you run, the harder you run, you may feel it a little sooner. Or it may, when, what is that point at which the symptoms, like we talked about with tendinopathy, especially Achilles tendinopathy, will tend to taper off 
what is that point at which the symptoms tend to get better mm -hmm. during your run? Um, and then how long are your symptoms elevated for after the training session? Are you going to feel pain for a full day if you do a faster paced track or interval based workout? Okay. Um, are you going to feel it if you run on a certain surface at a faster pace? So you're fine if you run a fast pace on pine needles on a really soft trail. Mm -hmm. But if you run a faster pace on asphalt, you're going to feel it for several days afterward. Those are all, that's all information that we need to know. Okay. But to answer your question, a runner is going to need to continue to train in cases of tendinopathy to maintain those tendon adaptations, right? You do not want the tendon to decondition. And I think this is one of your next questions, but um, you don't want the tendon to decondition during the period of time when the runner is away from training. So some amount of training is required to maintain some of those adaptations so we okay. don't completely backslide. But you need to supplement with those rehab-specific exercises, the heavy loading okay. that we've been talking about. Okay, Yeah. cool. And then I, you said time on feet is important. Time on feet is important, yes. Okay. Uh, not, not mileage. Not mileage, okay. Yes. And then is that so we can get that data to create a, a better program or training management for that runner? A or? better indication of how much stress the runner is placing on their body is how many minutes they spend out running. Okay. The other factor, so it's time on feet, mm -hmm. and it's also how hard was that run to you? Okay. Where would you rate it on a scale from 0 to 10? With uh -huh. 10 being an all-out sprint you can only maintain for a short period of time. Uh-huh. Uh, and four to five being a very comfortable jog. Okay, and that's usually. what you said. You're able to speak but not sing. Right. Okay. So, so uh, that's that moderate physical activity cutoff guideline. Okay. Exactly. So those two numbers together tell me everything I need to know. How many minutes did you spend on your feet? How hard did you think it was? Because a person who spends a large number of minutes at a relatively low intensity on their feet, and, and we're obviously asking them about pain symptoms throughout this run, mm -hmm. is not going to necessarily incur as much stress as a, per a person who spends fewer minutes on their feet but runs at a higher intensity okay. as a multiplier. Okay, yeah. cool. And then we spoke briefly on running mechanics too. Um, so I know we spoke about you know heel strike and everything like that and yes. uh, um, uh, forefoot strike. And the mid strike, um, but what about like how people place their arms running too? You know, in the upper body. You know, we're focusing a lot on the lower extremity. What about the upper extremity? Is there ways to manage to have better training outcomes with like the way you're swinging your arm motion or your head? You know, from swaying back and forth. Is there any uh, research on that that we can well, help our owners with? So let's talk about first, since you asked about it, the arm position. Mm -hmm. um, research would suggest that crossing the midline of the body with the arms. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine me looking at you head on while you run, if your arms come across where the line from your sternum or your neck to your belly button as you run, you're going to lose some of your forward momentum and some of your efficiency in that forward direction to rotational uh, movement of so the torso. So wasting energy basically. You're wasting energy as yeah. you run. Um, <clears throat> the other thing we want to talk about is how much you're leaning forward. Okay. A slight forward trunk lean while running, not excessive, not mm -hmm. butt back, but a slight forward trunk lean is going to propel you forward, is going to allow you to use less energy, and is going to create ultimately less of a braking force. The more upright the runner stays, the more likely it is that they'll be exerting a braking force on the ground with their mm, foot. Okay. So that's that's another thing. The last component of inefficiency is really comes down to how much you oscillate. 
It's called vertical oscillation. When you land on the ground, if you do bounce up like a bunny mm-hmm. and then come back down, or do you that's spin? or do you propel yourself forward okay. and over the ground? So lost energy in that horizontal plane or sagittal plane is a big robber of you know efficient running strides. So you're in trouble if you cross the midline and spring up like a bunny. If you cross midline, <laughs> spring up like a bunny and stay very upright, <laughs> not a very efficient runner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, I got another question. You know, I've, when yeah. I go hiking around here, I see trail runners pass sure. me, and I'm like, you know, as a runner running by in front of our yes. window. Yes, right in front of our window um, right now. What's the uh, what's that? Why do people run out? You know, you see their elbows are kind of have like that wide, like they're on a balance beam, kind of. They have that weird running, kind of like they're well, wider. That's really hard to answer, but I would say that I would see that in a trail running community, really. Well. So what kind of terrain does a trail runner run It's over? uneven, I understand. Is it really just for balance? Yeah. So okay. we're widening the base of support of the runner. The okay. runner now has a wider base and can make moment-to-moment corrections should they lose their balance. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. I've, I've seen that in like the but last it may few... Be, but listen, it may be a reflection of... Um, certain underlying weaknesses too. Okay. A person who doesn't have very strong or stable ankles or hips oh. may compensate for that by placing their arms out in that wide position because they don't trust their hips or ankles to make moment-to-moment corrections over uneven terrain. Okay. Alrighty. And then, oh, speaking of ankles. Yeah. Uh, ankle sprains. Okay. How should you train to get back in there from after an ankle sprain, you know? What should be the... Okay rehabilitation, management, and all that. I think it depends on the severity of the ankle sprain. Yes, what if it's like a minor one? I know there's like different grades. What if sure. it's like a minor, a minor it? Well, so what I'll say is even in cases of minor ankle sprains, there is a disruption in the ability to be aware of where your ankle is positioned in space. Okay. So that proprioceptive ability is impacted even after apparently a very mild ankle sprain. So there needs to be some dedicated balance training that's done before you get back out on the trail to lower your likelihood or the risk of this happening again. But obviously, you know, you said mild, but you would want to, in cases of moderate to severe injury, bruising, you want to make sure that you've gotten to, uh, you know, a qualified physician or physical therapist to examine your ankle and determine if you need x-rays. Mm -hmm. And if there's an associated fracture, even if it's just, you know, an avulsive fracture or the tip of your uh, ankle bone on the outside, you may have a longer prognosis for recovery. It may take a little bit longer to get back to full function. Okay. So... Huh. I've had a couple of ankle sprains in my past, yes. and they're still clicking now. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I mean, strength of the ankle, balance and proprioception of the ankle, and then the ability to tolerate repeated load. So hundreds and thousands of foot strikes over a period of time. Those are all important things to build up to. Okay, all right. Yep. So, like, good exercises for that could be, like, balance. Well, balance, ba- heel raises, various other exercises to strengthen at the hips and the buttocks mm-hmm. to make sure that everything is strong above at and above the site of injury okay yep. cool all right nathan well thank yeah. you for this part two of this episode do you have any other things you want to tell the listeners out there? i actually do i wanted to discuss you know one of the things we talked about just then briefly was running um efficiency yes another way of saying that is running economy uh-huh. how much energy do you use running at a certain pace, your oxygen consumption at a certain pace. Okay. We can just say kind of efficiency for short. But so running efficiency is dependent on a couple things. You can improve your efficiency by the three things we talked about, reducing bounce up Mm -hmm. and down, leaning forward slightly, um, 
man, my brain is blinking. What was the third one? Oh, uh, crossing the midline. Not crossing the midline with the arms, yes. The other thing, the biggest thing that I would say our listeners could try to improve their running efficiency in the long term, now this is a long term strategy, is to increase the number of steps they take per minute. This is something mm. referred to as running cadence. A running cadence should be ideally between about 160 and 180 steps per minute. Now, in RPMs, that would be roughly, you know, 80 to 90 RPMs if you were uh, correlating it to uh, being on the bike. Um, the important thing here is that if we look at any good runner, mm -hmm. we talk about a runner who is very skilled and at the highest level, almost all of them have a cadence that is about 170 to 180 steps per minute. Wow. The more novice a, a person is, the more likely are, they are to have a slower running cadence in the 150, even 140 occasionally, a slow plodding stride. So if you've ever seen someone go out there and it looks like they're really working hard, mm -hmm. generally they're running at a slower running cadence. Okay. So the trick is, you know, can you increase the number of steps you take by using a metronome, by having just a running playlist. Spotify makes several running specific playlists that are close to about that 180 beats per minute ah, or okay. so. Yeah, so you yeah, can yeah. follow the cadence as you run. Um, and learning how to land with more steps per minute. Initially when the person runs, it's going to feel very odd. Okay. They're gonna do, they're gonna feel like, and what I tell my patients here is it's gonna feel like little bunny foo-foo running through the forest. Like, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I feel ridiculous because especially at the slower paces, a cadence of that that fast will result in a very choppy, very short stride. Okay, and is that bad for like it's, getting like more tendinopathy? No, no, no. In fact, you know, you would think the more times my foot hits the ground, the more at risk I'll be. It seems to be offset by the increase in efficiency that the runner gains mm. from a quick turnover. Okay. A slower cadence, think about it this way. A slower cadence means that your foot is spending more time on the ground, mm -hmm. which means that more of your body weight is being absorbed with any one strike through the ground okay. versus a higher cadence where the foot strikes the ground and then is immediately pulled under you and transitioning to the next stride. Okay. So the foot touches and lightly touches and moves on to the next one. So that's another point I want to make. You should be striving to touch the ground or to strike the ground with the softest footfall you can muster. So if I listen to you, I should hear tap, 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 not thud, 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 thud. Okay, so you like, want to be running on air. I want people to be running on air and at a faster <laughs> cadence, turnover of their feet than they think they need to. It is going to feel extremely unnatural to begin with. But numerous studies have shown performance improvements. So less energy used at any given running pace. So that means you're a more efficient runner. You can run for longer to given pace or potentially you could run even faster than you're running now if you adapt to running at this higher cadence um, and get used to this new style of running. Okay, cool. Yeah, and notice I did not say you have to shift to your forefoot, your toes, your midfoot. Yeah. I just said increase the cadence. Increase the cadence. Okay. A, ca a metronome right beside your ear can really help with this where you just hear tick, 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 and just hold the phone in your hand while you run and just do very quick bouts up and down the street. And you'll find pretty soon that it becomes much more natural to, for you to run at that pace. Okay. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Cool, yeah, thank you, Nathan. I'm pretty sure our listeners out there are really gonna enjoy this advice. I know I am. Yes. I'm gonna practice running on air like the old Kung Fu <laughs> movies. We'll see how that happens in the next few weeks. See if you can launch yourself into the air and make your way to that highest level without touching anything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, thank you. You got anything planned uh, for your weekend? Uh, just lifting heavy weights, as you know, right? That's good. Going for, I think, 475 for three on deadlift and wow. trying to hit you know, somewhere in the 340s, I believe, for squat for three. And we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you need some more running advice, visit our webpage or you can call us directly at Thompson Physical Therapy. You can speak to any one of our physical therapists or Dr. Daly as well, specifically. You can ask for him. Um, or. You can email us as well, uh, info at tomsickpt.com. And uh, email us if you have any more, if you want any more questions about the ultra race coming up on June 4th as well, too. Um, again, this is the Daily Note with Tyrone Deal. And Dr. Nathan Daly. Y'all have a great day. Have a good one, guys.